Hey everybody, this is Dan with Blurb, and I'm in Santa Fe today. Uh, just did uh, a little book work with an artist, local Santa Fe artist named Munson Hunt, and uh, was able to go out in the field two days ago, three days ago, and took pictures of her as she was working on some new projects. She is a sculptor, uh, but I want her to describe her in her own words. And uh, here she is, so uh, thanks for being with us today. Hi Dan, thanks very much. So what are you? How would, I can't describe what you do exactly because the last time I saw you, there was an enormous crane along the road and you were, your work is uh, larger than life. So give us a little background on who you are and what you do. I'm a small woman with a chainsaw who likes to char and burn things to a crisp. That's good. That's a good start. And the photos from a couple of days ago will we'll show that. And there's a backstory here because you uh, have a relationship with my wife, which started back when and where? Mm. 1981, Otis Parsons. We were roommates. Loved her then, love her now. Yeah, there's there's a lot to love there. She's, uh, she's crazy. And so you are uh, based here in Santa Fe. You've been here for how long? 29 years. Wow. And uh, before that, you're from, you're an East Coast transplant. Yep, yep. Connecticut, 40 minutes outside of Manhattan, went to school at Parsons, lived in New York for a while, and then busted out west. And the interesting thing is, um, well, there's a lot of interesting things about your work, but you work with wood a lot, and you work with huge pieces of wood. Can you give us a little background on what that is and where they come from? They're all recycled. They're all dead, and they're just laying around, and I happen to get my hands on them, and... Um, I think the larger the diameter, the more it lends itself to sculptural form. And how does the the flame and the uh, the flame and the chainsaw come into play? Total environment. Uh, been living in New Mexico, watching it burn every summer for all these years. A good 15 years of drought, and uh, I would definitely say that has sunk into my consciousness. And, but on a, on a side note to that, or a twist to that, there's also a maritime aspect of, of these pieces. What, what is that exactly? I think it's just listening to my DNA. There's um, certainly uh, maritime associations with the forms that I work on, and um, I am Irish, Scottish, English, and grew up on the water. So I've known you now for a couple of years. And I've known you in the winter, and I've known you in the summer, and you are constantly making things. There's whether it's ink on paper or small pieces, large pieces, sculpture. What is it that drives you to do all these things? Mm. I was just born like this. Really, it's a birth <laughs> defect. The, the, the art thing is a birth defect. Well, and I say that because uh, the second thing that we saw after you were done working with the wood the other day was a lot of ink on paper, a lot of work on paper. And we had a discussion, a little bit of discussion about winter work versus summer work and what the elements here sort of force you to do or allow you to do. Is that a conscious decision that you make? Like during the winter months, you're going to work on paper and in the summer you're going to work on wood. Does it, is it that clear cut or no? It's that simple. It is. Yeah. It's, it's the weather. The weather will dictate what I can do and what I can't do. And if it's freezing, I'm not going to go outside and carve. I wouldn't either. <laughs> I'm definitely not a cold weather guy. And so let's talk a little bit about uh, influence and who was the first artist when you were when you were young, when you were small, who was the first person that kind of changed your life in, in regards to art? Mm, that's interesting. I grew up around some pretty great architecture in Stamford, Connecticut. 
and that was really the first influence. Um, my cousins lived down the street in a very, very modern home. Uh, I grew up in a home that was considered Stamford, Connecticut's first contemporary house. It was just all plywood, and it must have been a Frank Lloyd Wright student dropout. It was a freezing <laughs> house, and it ended up just kind of crumbling, I think. Um, but down the street was like a real modern house, and my my uh, aunt and uncle happened to have built and owned it. And um, I think it all started with nature and architecture and bringing those together. And then as I really understood what art um, was was you know what art was touching me, it was um, Eva Hess, Louise Bourgeois, Martin Poirier, um, Carl Andre, and um, Ursula von Reidingsvard, all of these artists take raw material. They kind of leave it as raw as they can. Um, some are more conceptual than others, but they're all interested in what the material has to say without doing too much to it. Were you always good, or was this something that you really had to fight and scrape and fail and fail and fail before you became a good sculptor? Or was this something that came really natural to you? <laughs> I fail every day. And okay, then I good. Make I don't feel so good. bad. <laughs> <laughs> but well, I think, I think failure today is not looked upon in the same way that it was at one point. And I think it's really frowned upon today. And I routinely find that the, art, the artists and the photographers and the designers and people that I'm most inspired by are people that really aren't afraid to fail. They take chances, they make mistakes, but then ultimately they learn from it and they make something great. And I think you have another set of people that are a little bit cautious. And so they look and think, well, if I do this, it may not look great. And it limits them in some way. But you, you're okay with the failure. It, it's part of a daily life, yeah. And how about the first large piece of sculpture? Was it intimidating to, to walk up to a 10-foot-tall piece of reclaimed cottonwood and say, oh, my God, I have to start marking this? Or was it, did you jump right in? What was intimidating was a chainsaw, which I bought and stared at for three months, and then I got my friend Antonio Chavez to show me how to use it. And when that thing gets turned on, it's all business, you have to stay very aware, and if I fear anything, it is the chainsaw, not the log. <laughs> All right. Well, that's that's. I remember as a kid on the ranch being very afraid of the chainsaw as well, just the sound and the smell. And and I had been warned a thousand times by every adult around me that I was going to get my hand cut off, so I was pretty pretty petrified. And so, what um, what body of work are you working on right now? Mm, it's brand new, and it's very exciting for me. I just uh, love to push something to the unknown and um i don't know where it'll go but it's a massive raw chunk of cottonwood about 400 years old um just kind of balancing um that delicacy of of sculpture and and material and uh do you have any exhibitions or upcoming shows or are you just work do you do you work on the work first and sort that stuff out later or is the work destined for a particular destination? Mm, it's just for me right now, although I do love a deadline. But I do have work up right now in Denver and work in Santa Fe. Uh, yeah. And what, um, five years from now, is there any, am I going to, uh, you know, find you living on a Greek island or still here in Santa Fe? And uh, what's, what's, the, what's the plan? Or do you just let things roll? Gosh, I really can't see the future, but I do like Europe. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a good plan. Okay, well, thanks for uh, taking a little time to answer some questions. And uh, I think people are really going to be amazed when they see the, the photos of, uh, of what you're doing. It is a pretty remarkable thing to witness. So thanks for taking time with us. Thank you.